It's the True Penny Show with your host James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny. This is my show. When we're taking a break from reviewing matches or historical things, but we can't going to talk about history. We're going to talk about well, the man indeed of the moment, Mr. Phil Brooks. CM Punk, if you will. For the third time, we have done a special podcast about uh, CM Punk. Back in the early days <laughs> of the podcast, myself and Ben Spindler did a special. And it might not be on the, the SoundCloud uh, list because it may have been before we became an open to everyone show. We used to be on, uh, the, we were part of the Smarking Out team and you had to subscribe to Smarking Out to get on the mailing list to get to our show. But me and Ben talked about um, CM Punk uh, for a an hour or so after after the um cult cabana podcast and the fallout from that and then uh, roughly about 18 months ago myself and my guest for today chelsea spollen um talked about Hello. CM punk's original departure from aew uh, or <laughs> suspension slash injury um hold up as was the official line so please welcome chelsea spollen how are we doing man hi um, I, you know, I was just thinking to myself right before we started, I'm like, this is the first time I've done a True Penny show in a minute where I didn't have to watch at least like two hours of stuff beforehand <laughs> because I've already seen everything we're going to talk about. Yeah. And, and to be honest, it is only around about ooh, three minutes of television, but it, it's caused an awful lot of consultation <laughs> this week. So there's a lot of discourse to be had. There is there is there's, there is things to be talked about. And, uh, you know, I suppose we can we can divide it up into dear God, why? <laughs> Secondly, suppose. how and yep. the reactions of the people involved on that particular evening, um, which will happen mm. at Survivor Series. Now, as you know, Troop and you show doesn't really cover WWE very much because occasionally we will talk about it at year-end awards and so on. Uh, Everybody it's not really else a, does, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, like it's not an obligation. It's not our thing, really. We much prefer unpopular wrestling. It's <laughs> the best way we can describe it. <laughs> it's like just less popular mainstream, less than popular mainstream wrestling. I mean, it's like, we like New Japan, but that's about as popular as we get. Um, but um, Punk is fascinating because he is in many ways a throwback to his hero Bret Hart and to Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody and some ornery characters I think they were described from the 70s and 80s and I suppose even Buddy Robert Buddy Rogers and um and, and Carl Gotch and people like that who did it their way and on their terms in spectacular fashion some more spectacular than others but he's also a symptom of a modern wrestling juggernaut that makes money hand over fist to the point where people can just say, I don't care anymore. I'll do what I like. I think, um, uh, oh, Buddy, not Buddy Rogers, um, the other nature boy, Buddy Landau. He, he, when he grew up in, I remember listening to, it was on a Colt Cabana interview, not one before he passed away. He, one of the guys that trained him in the old Southern territories, used to say he said when you've got a hundred grand in the bank that's fuck you money and you can do what you like and he was us he was national champion working for jim crockett promotions and they wanted him to job to rick flair uh on a tv show and he said fuck you and went home because he knew he would be worth nothing after that because the whole 
nature boy thing wouldn't work out because there's supposed to be two nature boys mm. and that was building to a big thing and they were going to give it dusty wanted to give it away free on tv and it's that kind of action is rare in this day and age because wrestlers are comfortable they earn an awful lot of money arguably not enough money compared to Wrestle, wrestlers at this level are comfortable yeah yeah wrestlers but... at this level are comfortable the majority of wrestlers are not comfortable no i think you yeah if you if you Everyone on a full-time WWE roster should earn a reasonable income for the amount of time that they're spending, but the lower mm-hmm. end of the card are not earning enough, should they be injured, say, to make it through that injury without losing money. AEW right. wrestlers, from what we know, are all pretty well paid and I'm not really sure what their injury recovery is like, injury coverage is like, but I can almost say they'll be pretty well looked after in that particular situation. Impact I've wrestling, heard it varies. Yeah, it depends. It depends on where you are on the card, and you know, and it, it depends on you know WWE aren't doing downside contracts anymore because there's no competition that requires them, so that becomes a bit of right. an issue. Um, and you know, now there's more competition. Perhaps they will do, especially with the amount of jumping back and forth we've seen this year. And Impact Wrestling kind of works on a 50-50 deal because the, the wrestlers who work for Impact Wrestling are free to go work for anybody else they want to because they're not employing them full time. So they employ them for about a week every three months to do a load of TV and call them back for pay-per-views. So it's a bit of a different thing. Um, but, you know, people have been injured on the Impact roster and been well looked after from everything I've heard. I don't hear negative things. It's difficult to say because it's people, other people's business and you're always taking guesses at it. Um, and then there's CM Punk, who... <laughs> Seems to do as he pleases. And, you know, after years of saying, I will never return to that hellhole that gave me so many mental health problems and caused me to stress and was so petty towards me. Um, the, the guys at the Random Wrestling uh, podcast, Ben Spindler and his crew, actually retweeted someone saying, um, who had gone through every tweet of an AEW fan saying Punk would never go to WWE and repost them in picture form. And he, and Just to ben, be petty. like the level of pettiness is absolutely um, amazing here. To which I replied, yeah. "Well, one petty turn deserves another." <laughs> there you go. And. There is a level of pettiness to CM Punk going back to WWE just to spike AEW. A level? Uh, well, I are uh, arguably all. There's levels. there's like five levels minimum. And the, the Dante's nine circles of pettiness. Um, One yeah. for each of the young bucks. <laughs> uh, for Cody, probably, even though I don't think either of them are going to cop to that being a real beef. No. There's a bunch of stuff going on here. Sorry, I'm dragging us off course here, but yeah, I mean, let's, yeah let's, there's a lot. There's let, a lot of friggin' stuff going on there. Let, let's <laughs> let's start at the beginning. Like we we left the story the last time we talked about this. Punk was uh, we were dealing with the meltdown of the podcast. Punk went off for a long period of time, came back seemingly refreshed and seemingly unbothered, but did have an entire TV show given to him by AEW and TNT to keep him well away from everybody he might have problems with. And then proceeded as essentially the producer for that show to cause problems for everybody else who was on that show. Um, and I mean, and I'll, from say, what we under- I'll say. From what we understand, anyway. Hmm. No, I'm sorry, James. What were you going to say? I just think, or seemingly, I, didn't, I don't want to say what, because obviously we don't know the whole story, and I don't think we will do for a couple of years yet, but 
there's a bunch of stuff that we can talk about there to start with because we should really like what's ramped all this up is the probably the, the if in, in the post mortem we kind of have to start with CM Punk returning to AEW and the yeah. Saturday Collision show, which is doing pretty well without him, from what I can understand. So there we are. Any thoughts on that for the start? Because like after the first go around, there's a good sense of why didn't you cut him loose then? Right. Yeah, no, um, even if he hadn't had a fight with the Young Bucks backstage, like an actual fist fight, um, talking to your boss like that on camera would have been enough for most people in most entertainment jobs to get fired. And if it had just been that, I think we all would have been like, well, Tony probably has to sit him down, but also maybe we can let it go. But I mean, the fist fight, like, he started a fist fight. Um, somebody threw a chair. Somebody got knocked out, supposedly. And mm. not only did he start a fist fight, but which I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, people who were punk fans. He started it. He threw the first punch by accounts of literally everybody who was there, including the head of legal. The only people who say that he didn't start it are punk and Ace Steel. So um, punk's account of what happened changed like two or three times which is not suspicious at all. Um, and, I mean, he just seemed so, apparently he was very unrepentant about it, let's say. Oh, that doesn't like you at all. Whole, yeah, no, right? <laughs> um, and then there's this whole thing about how apparently he and the Bucks were supposed to have a meeting at a show, and the Bucks didn't think that they really had to be at the meeting because they're producers, so they have control over their own schedule as well as being talent. And Punk had made a special trip to this show, I guess, to have this meeting with them, and he felt like they were blowing him off. Um, and then the other thing that I read, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I think I think David Bixon's fan was the one who was tweeting about it, is that there are some indicators that Punk was trying to get released from his AEW contract during that suspension period. Um, and I mean, not just that he showed up at Impact and showed up in an episode of Monday Night Raw. Um, there were other indicators. Like he was trying to see if WWE would buy out his contract. He was trying to figure out if there was a way he could get fired so that he wouldn't have to pay back the rest of the money from his contract is my understanding. Um, and I mean, he wanted out, he wanted out. And my guess is probably he wanted out and WWE wasn't interested at that point. And Tony was probably like, look, dude, we're not letting you out of your deal. So let's give you your own TV show and maybe that'll work. That's my interpretation of the events. That seems to be um, fair enough. As far as I'm concerned, you know, I, I don't follow AW closely enough. It's certainly not the backstage machinations, but from an mm -hmm. outsider I guess I have a kind of more of a detached approach to it because it is like I, I have HR experience. I've line managed people. This this, this is not, this is not how this works. <laughs> you, no. know, you know, it, like in any other job, and people are going to say, "Well, it's pro wrestling." I don't care. It's entertainment. It's a TV show. If you know, I don't know. Um, the cast of. Grey's Anatomy had beaten up another member of Grey's Anatomy, a cast of a production <laughs> assistant at Grey's Anatomy a few years ago. They probably would never work in television again because right. you wouldn't. And it's pro wrestling right. and it's carny. And of course, they are going to get defenders. Well, he was pushed into it. And it's like, 
Yeah, in that case, you walk away. That's that's how it works. He's done yeah. it before. He was able to walk away from a massively frustrating situation. It's not like he hasn't got the mental strength to do this. He just didn't, I think, either Tony wasn't going to let him out of his deal and there was something in his contract where he would have had to pay back the money, or... Mm. I don't know. I mean, maybe people always say how well off he is. And I mean, I think that's the generally accepted consensus, but maybe he legit needed some of the money. I don't know. Maybe there were reasons he actually really needed it. Um, Then that, to be clear, is not to excuse his behavior. But I mean, he definitely wanted out before Tony gave him his own show and basically let him run it and let him bring back Ace Steel, who supposedly is the guy who knocked out one of the young bucks. So that's not great. Um, and let him, didn't he, he made a bunch of uh, behind the scenes decisions about like cutting people. So he got um, QT Marshall off the show, which a, a lot of people will say is a good thing. Uh, he um, he uh, kicked Christopher Daniels to the curb, which is like, who in wrestling can't get along with Christopher Daniels? I've, like, I've, I've interviewed Christopher Daniels as one of the most nicest blokes I've ever come across in the wrestling industry. He's he is known for his professionalism. Absolutely lovely. Um, talked in kayfabe throughout the entire interview because all of the Ring of Honor guys were told, mm-hmm. were told to talk in kayfabe all the way through. Um, and allowed me to push a little bit and was not offended when I pushed a little bit, but I didn't particularly push very far because he's a, he's a disarming, nice guy. And yeah. I find it, you know, and he's head of talent relations. How can you not have the head of talent relations on your show? Like, how are you supposed to relate to the talent? Which clearly, as we discover a couple of months down the line, is not Punk's forte. Well, so that's interesting. Mm. There are people who worked in AEW and people who worked with Punk throughout his career as like a quote-unquote top guy. I mean, he is. um, That say that he's been incredibly warm and welcoming and helpful. I mean, like Sonny Kiss just did an interview and was asked, of course, about what her feelings were about CM Punk. And she said that the entire time that they worked together, Punk was great to her. Punk even took her aside, um, which this is not a thing that we should have to give people credit for, but it's fucking wrestling. So we're going to give him credit for this, for being smart enough to treat a non-binary or trans person like a person, he took Sonny aside and said, you know, hey, how do I address you? Because I want to be respectful. Mm. And then did so according to what Sonny indicated she wanted. Um, And, you know, I, there are people, I mean, like Dan Housen has said that all his interactions with punk have been great. And obviously those two are friends. Um, There were the FTR guys fucking love that dude. There were lots of younger talents, especially who say that they had great interactions with him. Um, Mm. My, this is my personal interpretation of how punk comports himself in his relationships with other people who are below him on the card. Right. I think that punk is someone who views loyalty in very black and white terms so you're either on his side or you're not on his side and he will the way that he often talks about how he's like you know he he goes out of his way to say he wants to put other people over and give young talent opportunities 
I do think he has done that in his career. I also think the reason he does it is not altruistic, right? Mm. Any more than it's altruistic when Chris Jericho does it. It's not. The reason that he does it is that he wants those talent to have to be loyal to him, to feel Mm -hmm. like they owe him something. And so then whenever the chips are down, because the chips are always down when you have that kind of personality, um, those people feel like they can't go against you. And he interprets a lot of things that other people would consider to be strange as a personal affront and as disloyalty. Like there were, there were his initial falling out with Colt, right? Punk Mm. has, I I think I actually, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame Punk for this rumor. I know this was a rumor that a lot of people believed I was one of them. And actually it was David Bixon's fan who replied to me on Twitter and sent me links and was like, Hey, this isn't true. Um, A lot of us had heard that the reason that Punk got angry at Colt Cabana when they were being um, sued by WWE and then they countersued was that Colt had gone backstage to an episode of Monday Night Raw while they were in active litigation, right? Mm -hmm. That he was invited and he showed up. Supposedly, that's not what happened at all. Supposedly, Colt went out for pizza with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Two of his oldest friends. Two of his oldest friends, who, as far as I know, I know Punk and Kevin don't like each other and never have, which we can talk about in a minute. Um, uh, They don't like each other and they never have. But Mm. I don't even I've never heard of him and Sammy having any kind of personal beef. Maybe they do. And I just don't know if you I think if you want to know, you should get Mithin on this podcast to ask her because she knows everything. Um, (laughs) But uh that apparently was the thing that he got really upset about. Although the paperwork from the filing for Colt to be like sever ties with Punk's lawyer and get his own representation says that the thing that actually was a problem for Punk was sticker shock over the cost of the legal bills. And the only way to make the lawsuit go away in totality would be to take the Colt Cabana CM Punk podcast down, which by the way, it's still up. It's still up on YouTube. And if you listen to it on YouTube and you don't have YouTube premium, there are ad breaks every five minutes. (laughs) Every five minutes, you're going to have to stop and listen to an ad because I think Colt's attitude at this point is like, well, if I got to keep this thing on the internet, I might as well make a lot of ad money off of it. Fair enough. Um, Yeah. And so apparently Colt was willing, there are emails between Colt and his lawyer and Punk's lawyer that show that he was willing to take the podcast off the internet to make the lawsuit go away. Mm. And that wasn't good enough for some reason. And I don't, I don't really understand. I don't, I know um, Punk has said on Twitter when the one time somebody asked him about the whole Colt situation and was like, can't you guys just figure this out? Like be adults. And Punk's like, this isn't about money. You know, I did everything I could. But Colt has told other people privately, apparently, that Punk just won't talk to him. He's tried, apparently. He has tried to smooth things over, at least. And Punk just won't discuss this with him. So um, I don't know how, I don't know why a normal, healthy person 
who doesn't have some serious paranoia going on there and probably also some narcissism would have gotten so angry about Colt going out for pizza with Sammy and Kevin. That seems like an excuse to me. Mm. Um, And I have we ever, James, I forget, have we ever on this podcast talked about the book that CM Venom, Punk's former tag team partner from the um, his backyard wrestling federation that he was in in his early days. Uh, yes. Have we ever talked about the contents of that book on this podcast? You because a lot to... of people seem not to have read it. Yeah, we talked about it on the last time we podcasted together. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there is a lot of telling traits. I haven't read it, but from what you were saying, there's a lot of telling traits from that book that have cropped up again and again in Punk's career. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, just to give us a timeline where we are currently. So you've got a collision going on. And then the next major incident, obviously, is at All In. And it's the the fight with Jack Perry. Um, Mm. Which, you know, and like none of I'm there. I'm watching this match, and Alex is there, and, and Dara's there, and, and Martin's there, and all of the troop, and he, we're all in different places. Like, literally, there's 20 people I know in that building, but there's 70, there's 92,000 of us, so you can't see anybody. Um, I have whatever number it was, whatever ridiculous amount of people were in that building that day. Um, it's the biggest wrestling show of all time, and Literally, well, the biggest paid audience for a wrestling show ever. And I, I was going to say, except for the North Korea show. Apart from the North Korea show, which, you know. And I was, I, I was also going to like mention something as well, pardon me. We'll go back to that in a second. But, you know, it's the biggest show of all time. And instead of like winding up positivity for the company you work for, he ends up picking a fight with... Oh, there's nothing wrong with Jack Perry. I think he's very good and exceptionally talented. But, you know, he's picked a fight with a wrestler in the opening match on the card when you're supposed to be a senior and you're supposed to be leading the way as his producer. Um, and you just can't do that. Where I was going to, we're at that point in the timeline, but I was going to go skip back. It's very, I hate to say you use the word because we shouldn't use this word lightly, Stalinistic. Um, North Korea is a good mm. example of put, uh, the way that you were saying, like, you know, the the putting people over thing um, and the loyalty thing is very Stalinistic in the sense of, you know, the guy on top will only trust certain people and will shut completely out others as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is another thing is like grabbing the attention at the biggest possible moment, you know. Your job is to present your company in the best possible way. You don't, you know, NATO's character is as ornery as it gets in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But when he's the champion, he toes the company line and he's always the nice guy on the microphone at the end of the night that, you know, welcomes everybody in and, you know, is very nice to the audience. He isn't. If that guy has personal beef, if yeah. that guy has bad personal beef with any of his coworkers, obviously Naito has people he doesn't like, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there are some wrestlers who you can kind of tell he doesn't vibe with. But yeah. if he has grudges, I don't know what they are. No. And I've spent an excessive amount of time watching that man and thinking about everything he does. Yeah. Um and it, he he keeps it keeps it one hundred, he keeps it professional. Yeah. I, I mean it does help with the fact that he doesn't consider anything that isn't New Japan Pro wrestling wrestling. 
<laughs> he has no concept of wrestling outside of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Never watched anything else. Fair. He was a kid, just has no... Like, you watched in that Muta retirement match, going up against Muto, um, and it, it, it looks lost walking to the ring. Why is it green? Don't like this. <laughs> Where's the blue yeah. thing? Yeah, you know, there's, there's all... He, he does do guests for other promotions, but he just doesn't like it. You can tell there's, there's something making his screen right. crawl. He's as company man as company man gets. And he's the mm -hmm. exact opposite. He's the character of what punk is in real life. <laughs> um, but yeah, so mm. we're all there in this match and we're watching this match and this match with Joe is really good. It's not as good as obviously as the Ring of Honor matches from 20 years ago because they aren't 24 anymore and they can't do those things right. anymore. However, the drama, right. drama of that particular match, yes, definitely was compelling and watchable and arguably one of his best career performances from what I've seen of CM Punk. But yeah, we don't but we really don't good. but we don't know the blood on Joe's shorts are Jack Perry's blood and not from CM Punk because he was the one that separates the fight. Yeah. And, and supposedly he was not happy about that. No, because as you know, if there's one thing that could be said about Joe Samoa Joe, whether it was in Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, WWE or AEW, he had done his absolute level best for the company he worked for. Mm -hmm. uh, and Triple H has done nothing but sing praises about him, how great he was on the microphone, how great he was backstage, what a great role model he was, how many creative ideas mm -hmm. he was, and he misses him like mad. And if there's one person who would sign back in a second, it would be Samoa Joe. Yeah. He is everything punk pertains to be and continues to put young right? talent over to this day. And though probably not quite as big a star, has done it in a positive manner, not a negative manner. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, it, that fasc it fascinates me that the last match we'll prob I'll probably ever see of CM Punk is that match against a guy who is everything Punk professes to be. Mm. And that, that's, that's a duality that will stick with me, I think. You know, Joe's done everything right in his career. And as far yeah. as looking after other people is concerned, as far as putting on great matches being the guy when he needs to be the guy, being the underplayer guy when he needs to be the underplayer guy, making things work when they didn't work. He didn't like Vince Russo at all. Neither did um, Nick Aldis, funnily enough. Russo put him in a tank team together. They got it over because they went to, they went to prove Russo wrong. <laughs> but they were professional yeah. to do the job. You know, and a lot, I think a lot of you, you watched Nick Aldis grow in that tag team because um, mm. a lot of it was just Joe rubbing off on him, how to carry yourself, how to be, you know, a good character on TV and, and, and present yourself right. in the right way. And, right. yeah, I think that's, that's the thing as well is, you know, is I don't want, I want to be positive about pro wrestling. And I think the thing is, you know, punk just brings so much negativity to it. But there you go. I'm kind of gone off a rant there. Well, we've, we've kind of got like a <laughs> point. So he leaves AEW. It's obviously the can right I, can decision. I just, can I just, <laughs> I'm sorry. Can I just can I just go back one second? Of course um, you can. I have a I have a, a controversial opinion. Perhaps I got yelled at when I said this on Twitter. <laughs> I actually don't have a problem with the fact that he yelled at Jack Perry for taking the bump with the glass. No, and I don't. I think either. the way Jack Perry handled it by like sneering at the camera about it 
made him look incredibly unprofessional and was some bullshit, frankly. Mm. Um, I don't have a problem with Punk yelling at him about that. I think somebody had to yell at him about that. I think the problem was that it wasn't Tony. Yes. Um, and that is frequently, <laughs> that's a recurring theme, um, is that Tony doesn't seem to be interested in being the person who runs his own fucking company, which is really, really annoying. Um, we'll talk more about that later in the timeline. But uh, um, my thing is, I think at that point, he was looking for ways to get fired. That's what I think. I think all of it at that point was probably on some level a work to him. And he was just like, let me figure out how to get the person I work for to let me out of my contract so that they have no other fucking choice by expressing the things that I'm angry about, which I think he's legitimately angry about it, um, as violently as I possibly can. I mean, he he was apparently furious that nobody picked him up from the airport, which I can understand. I think I do think that's disorganized. I think that's stupid. Why would you not pick up a main attraction from the airport? for your big show and i mean i it it sounds like there were some miscommunications there and i don't know maybe punk was in the wrong to be upset about that but it seems dumb right tony pay for a fucking bus okay this is not hard um but the way you handle the things you're upset about is just as important as whatever it is you're upset about and Uh, You don't handle being upset about something at work by throwing a monitor at your boss's head. No. And anyone else, anyone else who did that would get fired. And I think that's why he did it. I really do. I think he thought he wanted to get fired. I think he wanted out. I think he wanted somebody else to hire him. I think he wanted WWE to hire him. Um, Mm. And I have a, Uh, This is me psychoanalyzing him a little bit, but I guess that's part of what this podcast is for, right? Um, (laughs) I kind of hoped you would. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Good. So so this is my thing, right? I think when you meet people who haven't been parented well at any stage of their lives, and they have a lot of those like childlike anger issues where when they get angry, they just kind of combust and there's no reasoning with them. Frequently, a lot of times people like that thrive in really structured environments. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that they're happy about it. They're not happy about it frequently because they're not happy about anything, but they do well in those environments because there's a parental figure fucking standing there saying, you must do this. Don't do that. You must do this. Don't do that or I'm going to punish you. And I'm not going to lie to you. I think Punk missed Vince. I don't think he would ever tell you that himself. I think he did. Meltzer even said, he's like, I think if Punk were in WWE, HR would have fucking sat him down if he did something like going off like that on live Mm -hmm. television, the way he did at Brawl Out. Right? Yeah. Um, I think he missed being in an environment where there was this big structure that he couldn't control. And I think he's probably going to spend the rest of his time there. Well, actually, I don't know. That's another question for later in the podcast. But 
Um, when he was there the first time around, he spent a lot of time trying to control how everything around him worked and uh, calling himself the locker room leader to the chagrin of people like Chris Jericho. Um, and apparently Jeff Hardy wasn't a fan, uh, which I can't blame him. Um, no. But I I think when you're someone who naturally views who views yourself as rebellious and sees that as one of your positive qualities, you need something to rebel against. Mm. And to me, watching the Brawl Out podcast or not podcast, I'm sorry, the the presser after All Out where the whole this whole thing started, looking at the way he's behaving Tony looks so sad and overwhelmed and doesn't know what to do. And I just feel like, I feel like punk is waiting for Tony to cut him off and it doesn't happen. I think that, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think Tony's incredibly creative. I think he's done some things that have been absolutely very cool for the industry. And obviously I'm very thankful that he decided that he wanted to be part of a company that has employed lots of wrestlers and the more wrestlers are employed means more wrestling we get to see. I do not agree that he has been, sorry, I do not think that he has been necessarily the best manager that AW could have. I look at Impact Wrestling and Scott Demore and what Scott Demore has done for that company in the last yeah. three to four years, he has righted the ship. You know, yep. the, there are always going to be Impact fans who love Impact Wrestling or TNA Wrestling as we're now back to, much to my chagrin, but you know, there are always going to be Impact fans and TNA fans who love Impact. There always will be because there always has been. They love that show. They think it's the greatest wrestling show on earth. I mean, honestly, drunk the Kool-Aid. Okay? That's not the issue. The issue is getting people who don't like Impact Wrestling to watch Impact Wrestling. And Scott Demore has got people who don't like what, don't like watching Impact Wrestling to watch Impact Wrestling again. He got rid of the yeah. Driftwood. He got rid of most of the horrible people who worked for that company and made it a watchable, concise, enjoyable product, worked on partnerships with New Japan Pro Wrestling and AAA to make a better product and brought in guests and and made a watchable TV show that is entertaining and will keep you going for two hours every week. That can't Mm -hmm. be said for Collision and it can't be said necessarily for Rampage and it can't be said for, for Wednesday nights either. They're good. Nope. There's solid wrestling. It's got an incredible roster, but that doesn't make concise, watchable television every week. And as much as AEW fans are hardcore as well, and I don't think it's ever going to drop below three quarters of millions in viewership because it's, and I don't think it's ever going to be go away because, and people don't realize this, pro wrestling is cheap to make compared to, say, a big budget drama that's going to run for 36 yeah. episodes through a year. That yeah. you're you're talking ten million dollars an episode for that in some cases, and mm-hmm. and I doubt an episode of Rampage costs more than five hundred thousand dollars to make, and will make oodles more than that in the first ad break, because it will. Especially especially if you include things like merch bonuses and the fans who buy those like VIP meet and greet packages, which I know AEW doesn't do as many of those as WWE, but they do do some and they always seem to be well attended. Yeah, this is the thing. And I think the the company will learn and grow and they'll get better. However, if they had a head of talent relations and not knocking Chris Daniels, but if Chris Daniels had more power or someone was in that role who could wield that power, um, (laughs) this, this would not have happened. 
And obviously, you know, Chris Daniels was there and trying to resolve the situation, and that's the reason why Punk didn't like him. Um, and and that's the thing. How can you have your talent relations manager not allow to go to a show where your talent is working? It's still I mean, like if I was a talent my on brain. that show, if I was a talent on that show, even if I liked the person who was in charge of booking the whole show, I would have a problem with that. Because who do you go to when you have a problem if you have a problem with your boss? Yeah. That's the issue. Is the 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 biggest issue that anyone has in work is lack of accountability of the people they work for. Mm. And you know, there are numerous fail safes within your working week to make sure that that doesn't happen. You are constant like contact with your managers. You will have appraisals on regular basis you know that there is contact to make sure that the your managers know what you're doing and you know what your managers want from you that's kind of what a modern workforce job is supposed to be like but if you take one of those accountability layers away that's where abusive relationships can happen i'm not saying this was an abusive relationship by any any stretch of the imagination but it's where paranoia can grow it's where distrust um, can grow and we know i don't know man I, I would I would say I would say if Punk was like dressing people down in front of other people backstage, mm. which is what we've heard rumors about, I would say that's an abusive relationship with your boss. Yeah. Um, especially if your boss isn't officially your boss, but no. you know they're your boss. Yeah, which is even that's worse. a problem. If he if he yeah. got if he'd got an EVP role like the books and Kenny Omega, that wouldn't have been an issue. There you go. But, you know, because the, I've had people say to me, oh, the books and Kenny shouldn't be EVPs because they're wrestlers. And it's like, well, no. Like, because, you know, there has been literally hundreds of professional wrestlers who've had production roles in wrestling companies they wrestled for. I mean, Who's... I would say the Young Bucks shouldn't be EVPs because I don't think they're emotionally mature enough to have that role. And yeah. I I think they suck at it, frankly. Um mm. Punk got fired, which was a big loss for the company because it was going to hurt ratings, but it was also a thing that a lot of people were relieved about. And the Bucks handled it by running around celebrating and flexing their biceps. Yeah. And you know what? Do that shit backstage. Do that shit. Go to the bar with your friends, or I guess maybe those guys don't drink because they're super hardcore Christian. I don't know. Um but uh, but go go out with your friends afterwards. Go around the locker room and high five people and be like, we've defeated the evil. The witch is dead. Like, cool. Awesome. Whomst among us has not done that when a toxic coworker got fired. Right. Yeah. I certainly fucking have. Um, but don't fucking do it on camera. Don't no. fucking do that on camera. You look like an idiot. Mm. You absolutely do. So unimpressive. I was mm. like, wow, if anyone had any, not not that I think that there should have been any ambiguity about whether or not it was fair that Punk got fired, but if anyone observing this situation who wanted to believe that Punk was possibly in the right, had, and there are a lot of those people, there are more of them than I ever would have thought, uh, wanted to think that maybe the reason Punk got let go was because of some personal grudge from the Young Bucks, they just confirmed it. Like, 
And that I don't actually think that's really what happened, but that's how they made it look. And it's like, yeah. you guys are professional wrestlers. It's your job, literally your job, to think about how everything you do on camera looks. That's your job. <laughs> yeah, that's it. There you go. So, so I think I think they should be in those roles because they suck at them. And I think Kenny shouldn't be in that role because um, when he was booking the women's division, it was even worse than it is right now. And it's still really <laughs> fucking bad. Yeah, it's it, it, it's not good at all. It's not good. Anyway, no. I think um, I think I think the Ring of Honor's women's division is way better than the AW women's division because oh, essentially yeah. it just kind of looks after itself. Yep. <laughs> I, which arguably, if you gave the women 20 minutes on AEW television, they could probably do just as good a job and let Tony just... You guys get on with it and decide what you're going to do. And they would probably be It's really funny how when you let the women do stuff, it's fun and it works. Again, Impact Wrestling, which kind of alternates between the men and women's champion headlining each pay-per-view because their yeah. women's talent is as strong as their male talent. Impact Wrestling... When they had that pay-per-view where Trinity and Mickey headlined it, they mm. sent them to an NBC affiliate to do a morning TV show. And, you know, and sent them, like, with professional hair and makeup people and stylists to yeah. promote the company. Why yeah. the fuck is Tony not doing that? Why is Britt Baker not putting on a nice cocktail dress and going to sit down with somebody on a morning TV show? I mean, I mean um... People rag Maybe on she's Cornette. a bad choice, but people rag on Corner and his run in Ring of Honor, right? But mm-hmm. he went and did every breakfast TV show, took the Briscoes with him, took any one of the baby faces with him who'd be a recognizable face, and did the weather, did chat shows and all those stuff because it's yeah. basic stuff that's free. It doesn't cost you yep. anything. It yep. does not cost yep. you one cent to do that. Stuff. All those shows need programming. They all yeah. need stuff that they can promote and keep them connected to cultural events. And if you can be connected to an entertainment product and have a nice little rapport between the hosts of your show and, you know, this thing that's on TV every week, it makes your show more relevant. It's so it's simple math. Yeah. And it, it, WWE still does it. You know, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. It's a, promote a house show. You're going to get, you maybe sell two or 300 more tickets at a house show, which that guy, they're going to buy beer and they're going to buy t shirts and you're going to make more money. That's why Miz still works there. I'm convinced. That's why, that's why Vince has been a loyalist for Miz, like, and why, why Hunter still is, because everyone who works with him says he shows up at five o'clock in the morning to do all the radio interviews. And he does not leave until he has done every single one with every person who wants to talk to him. Uh, do, you, do you know why Jimmy Hart still contracted to WWE to this day? No, I actually didn't even know that he was. He is because every time a charity event happens that he's invited to, he goes to Stanford, goes to the warehouse and says, have you got any end of line t-shirts? And the yeah, we've got loads here. Take whatever you want. He takes those t-shirts and gives them out to any of the kids who were at that charity event and bigs up WWE and gives a big, you know, rah-rah speech about them, signs there for hours, does as many of these events as he possibly can because he, he's, you know, he's a former producer yeah. for WCW. He's well off. He doesn't need to. 
but he goes because he loves wrestling and he wants to make sure that WWE is is well represented at any of these events he's invited to. And the guys in Stanford love him for it because they should. Because That's very he's, nice. He's just a nice guy who wants to do cool stuff for the company and to make sure, you know, that some kids have a great day. Legend gave me a T-shirt. That's, How cool is that? That's very nice. Yeah. It's like and, Trinity does with the Boys and Girls Club in Orlando. Yeah. She's had a long relationship with them long before WWE promoted her relationship with them. She and um, the other person you can give credit for this is Titus O'Neil. Mm. Um they both do a ton of outreach like that and yeah. are promoting the company that they work for. Or, I mean, Trinity doesn't work there anymore, but she still has a relationship with the Boys <laughs> and Girls Club. She still does events for them. She brought Sasha Banks and their tag team titles to like a high school gym one time. <laughs> so those kids could meet the tag team champions. And I mean, if you ever want to feel like super, super warm and emotional, or at least if, if you're me, this made me super warm and emotional, seeing little girls get really excited about meeting Sasha Banks and touching the title belts. Mm. That was like, I was like, I can't, I'm going to cry all my mascara off. Um, <laughs> it was great. Um, we are wildly off topic. We are, we are, but it's like, <laughs> this is the thing, if we just talk about, Phil being a dick for an hour and a half. Yeah. No one wants to listen to it. So let's get back on topic. So we have this period of radio silence from Mr. Brooks, as you can imagine, because, you know, he's got no platform to work from. There are tweets and things, but nothing particularly serious. And then he turns up last Saturday night at Survivor Series at the end of the show. And the only people who knew about it was Triple H and the production team and the wrestlers who were told in the main event match just before they went out on the main event match. Yep. Now, as I can't remember which podcast it was, and they quite rightly pointed out, Drew McIntyre left the building after the match straight away, and Seth Rollins went on a rampage um, to the camera. Now, as much as right. Seth is Seth, that was clearly a work. The Drew oh, McIntyre one, who's Drew McIntyre not known for his drama, didn't feel like a work, but actually... Since then, he's been tweeting back to the WWE account, and I'm less. I might think it might be a work, but I'm not completely convinced. It's, I but think it's a work shoot. Work shoot, yeah. So, because there is obviously, you know, these people have friends in AEW. They know what their friends went through, <laughs> and now he's back in WWE. And partly it is wanting, you know, to make money with this guy who's obviously going to make big money with. And partly, you know, the prestige of wrestling CM Punk, and partly because the company wanted to, and partly because people are genuinely pissed. And I can give you an example, because I caught a quote last week when I was talking with Chris and my friend, who um, is a CM Punk fan, but um, we were talking about how Seth and Punk don't feel about each other, and the quote from Punk I got, was, sorry, from Seth was, oh, Philly Phil, stay away, stay away, you cancer, get away, me, get away from me forever, I don't like Phil, I don't like Phil, he's a jerk. Did we yeah. just get, did we just figure that out? Did we just figure that out? No. Everybody in the room is like, oh no, did he say that? Yeah, no, he's a jerk. Come on, we figured it out over there. We knew it over here. I don't want him back. Go do something else. See you later. Which was on a podcast a couple of years ago, just after well, just after the um brawl out incident. Mm. Um because you know, he has friends in AEW, of course they don't <laughs> not stop talking to him. I was gonna say famously. <laughs> Punk famously, I was just talking about this on Twitter, I think. Um, Punk famously had a falling out 
that was bad enough with Mox that Renee, who is notorious for like, Renee is not a company loyalist in the way that a lot of WWE people are, right? Mm. If she likes you, she's going to be happy for you when something nice happens for you. So when Trinity won the title at Impact, Renee was in her comments on Instagram, oh my God, so happy for you. When... Naya got re-signed, which I don't understand why Renee was happy about that, but Renee was happy for her and (laughs) congratulated her, right? Um, Renee is like one of the most classy, professional people in the wrestling business. She's so good at her job, she could get a good interview out of Randy Orton. (laughs) And like a good, juicy interview where he seems relaxed and enjoying himself. And the since punk came back crickets Mm. crickets mox even talked about this and i'm surprised i haven't seen more dialogue about this how pissed off he was about that stupid instagram post that punk made um where he was like i've never had someone refuse to wrestle me before this isn't we're we're i'm messing up the timeline again but this is during the period where punk was had come back after brawl out right Mm -hmm. and they wanted to sort of like redo the storyline where he won the championship because tony wanted him to have the belt and mox was supposed to wrestle him and mox at that point was not even full-time employed at AEW. he and tony were kind of doing a handshake deal where mox was showing up and getting paid in cash for each individual show Mm -hmm. because he wasn't sure he wanted to resign at that point and Punk complained about the fact that Mox refused to wrestle him. And I I couldn't believe that he complained about that. I really couldn't because he and Mox have always been like friendly. Like those two dudes visibly liked each other when they Mm. were feuding on screen for the belt the first time. Mox kissed him and Punk laughed about it. Hmm. Um, which John Moxley is very kissy anyway. It, it, it's that's just what he does. But not everybody is into that. And Phil thought it was funny. And they, you know, they wrestled each other in NXT when Mox was there because Punk asked to have a match with him because he wanted to promote him, probably for the same reasons we were discussing before of like, you know, let me put this young guy over so he feels like he owes me. It's interesting as well, because Punk picked the shield. He did! He did, and he picked Mox! Yeah, Mox and Seth. He didn't pick Roman Reigns, he picked Chris Hero. Um, Isn't that interesting? Yeah, but the office wanted Roman. He he picked Seth, and a lot of people... I'm surprised more people didn't talk about this, but um, there's a little bit about this in the CM Punk WWE documentary where it's not really a documentary the the fluff piece that is cm punk best in the world um where he mentions that he ran the ring of honor dojo and then if you watch the deleted scene version of some of it he talks in more detail about seth rollins tryout at Mm. ring of honor and it's very interesting the language he uses he he's very careful to say i asked everyone who tried out for the ring of honor dojo to do everything that I would do. If I did it, 
I would make them do it for the tryout because I really wanted them to prove they could do it. And he, and he was complaining about the fact that Seth and I think his, I think Maverick or is it not Maverick, Merrick Brave. That's it. Mm. The guy who runs black and the brave with him now, who he's still good friends with, um, came in and did the tryout, but then didn't have the money to pay for the dojo training. And then I think Seth ended up getting signed a few years later anyway, just because he was like a hotter name on the Indies at that point. Mm. Um, Or maybe Jimmy Jacobs brought him in. I don't know. But in any case, the way Punk talks about that, he talks about, you know, I I made sure those guys could do everything I could do. Well, Seth Rollins as an athlete can do stuff that Punk could never even dream of. That man can jump from standing six feet in the air over somebody's head. And he was he wasn't in the WWE shape that he's in now. He wasn't a CrossFit god trapped in the body of a theater kid or theater kid trapped in the body of a CrossFit god. He wasn't he wasn't on the level that he is now as an athlete where he has professional athlete resources. But he always had that level of physical intelligence and physicality that CM Punk has had to work extremely hard to compensate for not having those qualities. But Punk never acknowledged that. He never says that, right? Because mm. you can tell it intimidated him back then, which I think is part of why they don't like each other. Um, because if you watch that NXT thing that they did where Seth was NXT champion and Punk was WWE champion and they had to have a match together and then they had to fight, Seth's dislike of him is visible, that's genuine. That's not a fucking work. Like he didn't do anything inappropriate that he wasn't supposed to do, but he is uncomfortable every time they are interacting with each other. Mm. And I, I think Punk's way of handling this kid who was more talented than he is in a lot of ways, not on the microphone, not on the microphone, although that's not bad there, but um, who is a better athlete than he will ever hope to be. I think his way of handling it was, let me make sure this kid owes me so that one day he has to pay me back favors so that he can't ever compete with me in the ways that I don't want him to. I think that's how he feels about Seth. I think that's how he's always treated Seth. And Seth at this point probably knows Punk has had a falling out with Mox because Seth looks at the internet more than most wrestlers do. And... (laughs) Uh, also definitely knows that Roman had to eat shit for like two and a half years after the Cabana podcast. And I'm not even, I'm not even going to say, I think that was a hundred percent Punk's fault. I think he was trying to tell a story about the whole make Roman look strong thing. I think Punk was trying to tell a story about the fact that WWE was insulting their own wrestlers by basically saying like, you know, okay, but you got to do this thing that it's very obvious you have to do. And we're going to make sure we, you know, stand behind you and breathe down your neck until you do it. And Punk's like, I know how to do the job. Like the thing that Mox always says when he talks about WWE, where he's like, why do I work here? Like Mm. you guys want, you know, you guys want everything exactly the way that you do. Why, why do I bother? Like just hire some male stunt double guy who wants you to give him a script and have him do that. Like I'm a professional wrestler. I have skills. I think that was the point of Punk's story on the Cabana podcast. Not Roman sucks, but Mm. because of the combination of Vince's shitty booking and Roman not being ready yet for that spot. Mm -hmm. um, I think 
and and punk having left and people feeling aggrieved that he left and missing the fact that he you know was there and should have had a big wrestlemania moment or something like that i think roman took a lot of heat for that that wasn't really fair and wasn't his fault the thing that is punk's fault is that he never said anything to dissuade people from doing that shit and he it's impossible that he didn't know because he's complained numerous times about the stupid things wrestling fans say to him on social media Mm. and i've seen so many of those tweets and instagram posts where people would like fucking tag him and roman at the same time and be like you know cm punk is so much better than roman reigns it's like how how egomatic how egotistical do you have to be to not um to not freaking sit down one time and say to one wrestling journalist you know i didn't think that was fair that wasn't the point of the story i told it wasn't me trying to like dog this guy it was just that you know i had this beef with the company it wasn't about him of course, Punk's not going to do that because he loves it anytime somebody favorably compares him to somebody else. But Isn't, yeah, I no. mean, he could have put a stop to it. The the tide didn't start to turn about Roman with the fans until the cancer, until he had cancer. But prior to that, there was no one saying in wrestling, no one saying he's actually a really good wrestler. No, until was, Finn Balor did the Chris Jericho podcast. Yeah, he he was um, he was rocky. He was uh, um, the Rock. He was Dwayne Johnson, not the Rock. He was Rocky Maivia. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, yeah. he was overly pushed far too early, yeah. not ready for the role he was in, in a character that was far too bland and uninteresting to care about. And yep. WWE do it time and time and time again um and i don't understand why they haven't learned their lesson but it took them a long time to figure out where roman reigns needed to be and what he needed to be as a character um and a lot longer than it took roman reigns to figure that out from what you know again i don't watch wwe but i can see when a guy looks like a superstar and he did not look like a superstar until after he turned heel now he looks like a wrestling god which is funny because he did look like a star in the shield he did, yeah. In the Shield, he looked like a star. He is fantastic in tag matches. Watching Roman Reigns on the apron of a tag match is one of my favorite things because he reacts to everything that's happening. He effortlessly helps tell the story. The same way that like Kevin Owens does, where nothing happens in front of that guy that he doesn't give you some little crumb of story for, right? Roman can do that in tag matches because he did it in the shield and because he had two really experienced guys right there showing him like, this is what you do. Here's and an interesting the bloodline was successful because he got to do that shit all the time. I was going to say, here's an interesting thing that only occurred to me when we were starting this podcast. It's how long has Triple H had punk ready to go? And one of the things that intrigues me is the movement of Kevin Owens from Raw to SmackDown. Because that oh. happened that, not long, that long ago. It happened not that long ago. And Triple H right. isn't stupid. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, he knows what he's doing and he knows how to book a wrestling show. And he knows that two of his biggest stars are not going to like each other. You don't want them in the same environment. Which, you know, Tony Khan figured out the hard way. But Triple H doesn't need to be figured that out. He's smart enough to understand that will happen. 
and it was less than three weeks ago that Kevin Owens got moved to SmackDown. Yeah, something. I mean, so he and Sammy got broken up as tag team champions a little bit before that, which was devastating. But yeah, it was weird how it just kind of it fizzled seemed, out. It seemed to be in 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 a company that lives to break up tag teams and have them feud and has done for the last 15 years for no apparent reason, even when they're still making money, um, that they didn't do a big... And you've got WrestleMania around the corner. Mm. Even if it's just... They could have started building to that. Yeah, and you're going to leave one of them on Raw and one of them on SmackDown. No, it's great for SmackDown, don't get me wrong. That's going to bring up their show. It does strike me as somewhat suspicious, and people will accuse me of being paranoid, and it's being paranoid about it. But it is like it's WWE, of course, I'm paranoid about it because they've done sure. nothing but foster paranoia pretty much since about 1983. Yeah, for um, the fans and for no, the that's staff. a really good point. I never would have thought of that. Um, what I've been thinking this whole time, and I've said a whole bunch of times on Twitter, and every time I say it, someone tries to fight with me, and they're wrong. Um, is that it's not an accident that Hunter didn't want Punk until, or not just Hunter, but like the WWE didn't want Punk until Punk didn't have a better place to go or another place to go that was considered similarly prestigious. Yes. I mean, there's argument New Japan aren't going to touch him because they have a talent swap deal with AEW. He has talked about going to New Japan Pro Wrestling before, but they don't need him. And he doesn't. He doesn't want to move to Japan either. No, and there's also I mean he could just do one-offs like Jericho did. Um, no, but he doesn't have the draw. No, he doesn't. Not he doesn't know, and not in the same way even as Daniel Bryan does, because Daniel Bryan did spend time in Japan. You know, it's. Okada versus Daniel Bryan dream match Wrestle Kingdom semi main event. That's money, right? Yeah, right. Because right. Bryan right. has a has a to be blunt, Bryan was a much bigger star in WWE. He's a much bigger star in AW than Punk was in many senses, and that's a draw because people remember Okada's remember remember Daniel's New Japan run, his Noah run. He built a career in Japan as well as building a career in North America. I also think Brian is a wrestler's wrestler. He's a mm. masterful technician. He can do things that look like really painful to receive MMA moves where he actually doesn't hurt you at all. And the only other person in the business who might be sort of as good at it. Actually, no, I'm sorry. There's two other people who are as good at it as he is. Um, sort of. Uh, Shayna Baszler and Zack Sabre Jr. Mm. I, I think Suzuki Suzuki maybe probably should also be in that conversation. Maybe it's blasphemous not to say that he's as good at it as Brian. I think Suzuki actually hurts people more, but I also think that's just what you do in Japanese wrestling. Um, I think uh, I think Brian is a, a wrestler's wrestler who can have a wrestling match with someone even if he doesn't speak the language at all. And I think Punk is a god on the microphone. And he's a decent wrestler, but he's never going to have the kind of wrestling matches that Brian has when Brian doesn't even know the other guy and just figures out what their physical deal is by like being in the ring with them for five seconds, you know? Um, 
the only other guy that wrestles like Daniel Bryan that I know of in the North America context is Brad Armstrong. Sadly, no longer mm. with us. Uh, he 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 once wrestled the Great Muta, and Meltzer gave it five stars for a five-minute TV match because he said it was perfect. Mm. And Meltzer and he mm. Brad, the, the, it was still in the days when they were you know two hundred TV like they were doing thirteen weeks of television. And he turns sure. up, you've got to wrestle a great movie, you've got 10 minutes, go. And he put on the perfect wrestling match. It's like, it's a clinic in how to present, make somebody else like good, make you get yourself over and get a crowd into a match. There you go. And he, he the, the, there are very few technicians in the wrestling world who were like he was, and Danielson is all of that. Um, mm-hmm. And, and the, I mean, as well, is other reasons why Punk wouldn't work in New Japan. Okada's really good mates with Young Bucks. <laughs> Sounds daft, but it's true. I don't uh, think Okada would actually care that much. No. But I think other guys in that locker room would. Certainly would, yes. Even if it was a big one-off money matches. You know, there, yeah. there, there, there is, yeah, there's... Japanese wrestlers tend to be company guys long-term, especially the main event guys, because they've been there for a long mm-hmm. period of time. Um, mm-hmm. But equally, it's like, you know, it, there's still like, is he going to fit in with the ethos of what you're trying to do? Probably not. But, you know, oh, equally, no. they, Brock Lesnar's pretty ornery. He's not necessarily get along with this kind of guy. And he, well, he managed three matches before he fell out with him. <laughs> So, you know, even if Brock could manage three matches, I think it was six. If Brock Again, we're comparing six. Punk to somebody who's very physical, though. Yeah. And Punk has done a very good PR job of making people forget that he's not a great athlete. Like, he's not. He's mm. an athlete. I'm not trying to say he's not an athlete. No doubt he can do things physically that I will never be able to do, even if I, like, you know, switch to a fancy-ass athlete diet and started working out every day. But... He's not on that level of a lot of the people he works with, and he never has been. And he's good enough at the other stuff that he does, the mic stuff, the character work, that, and being a compelling presence who understands how to market himself, that it hasn't been a thing that's held him back. No, that's... that's it should reason. have been. It should have been, but it hasn't been, because he's really good at that stuff. But equally, and, he's, he's in an industry. Yeah. Hulk Hogan is, by any stretch of the imagination, a reasonable quality worker. He sells more mm. T-shirts than any other wrestler in history. He sold more tickets than any other wrestler in history, and he headlined one of the biggest shows of all time. Mm-hmm. It, he, he's not a great worker. He, he's, he's not. He's, he's all right. Doesn't have to be. It's okay. Doesn't have to be, because you get excited by watching Hulk Hogan matches because he's Hulk Hogan and his presence. Well, some people get excited watching Hulk Hogan matches. Yeah, I'm not saying you do. I'm saying (laughs) the general populace. Oh, I know. I'm just being a jerk. (laughs) The royal you. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no, I know. Just, like, you know, fuck that guy. Yes. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I mean, there are literally billions of people who watch his wrestling matches because he is a compelling presence. Horrible person, but compelling presence. You know, and that, yep. and, and as much as Punk would like to deny it, he's that wrestler. You know, he's not. He's better than Triple H. Oh, sorry, yeah, he's better than Triple H was in the ring. He's better than. He's probably better than The Rock was in the ring. He's probably better than Hulk Hogan was in the ring. 
but he has yeah. the same quality all of them have, which is a compelling presence. I don't think he was as good as Steve Austin. Um, but, you know, he's a compelling presence in the ring. Mm. And that brings us to Steve Austin and possible money matches that, that, that have been talked about is him and Steve Austin. I don't think Steve's that bothered. He's got enough money. <laughs> but there, there, there has been talk of that. And the, the other possibilities of what, who can he make money with? Now, obviously, mm. they're kind of working towards Seth is the obvious first thing to do. And they're also yeah. working towards Drew McIntyre in the long run. Uh, I would suggest Which that's not going to be good. No, that's not going to be good. It's not going to work. They're not going to work well physically together. It's not no. the the promos will be fine. Drew will be OK on the mic. Punk will be very, very, very good on the mic. And then the actual match itself will be abysmal. Yeah, that's what I think. Sorry. Um, I think Drew McIntyre is good at what he does, but I don't I've never seen him have a match with a guy who was a much worse athlete than him where I was like really impressed. I don't think he has that club in his bag. No, he's, he's, he's a big guy that can move and can work and he's okay, but he's not, he's not that, not that level of guy to drag somebody along with him. You know, he's not, right. I, I mean, I love right. his work and I've, I watched him, all of his impact run. He did some really incredible things for, you know, for a guy sure. who was he, literally, I I saw him working way he work his way back up from the Indies to get himself back a job as a headliner in WWE in the yeah. space of three years, and that's incredible what he did. But he needs a certain type of wrestler to have a great match with. He does. Yeah, you know that's that that's another that's another thing as well. Is like you know as much as we've just been talking about Hogan's presence, he had the right guys to wrestle. Yeah, you know, me and me and me and John watched. Um, when Terry Funk passed away, we watched Hulk Hogan versus Terry Funk from mm. WWE, and Funk made Hogan look like a superstar. That's not yeah. Hogan's fault. It's not not blaming Hogan for Terry being better than be, than he is, but that's how you make Hogan. You know, everyone right. uh, everyone acts like the WrestleMania three main event was Hulk carrying. Andre in a wheelbarrow and it wasn't because Andre <laughs> had one of the best wrestling minds of anyone in pro wrestling history. Yeah, he was he, really really amazing. Yeah, and he knew how to make Hogan look impeccable and that's how mm. things work and I'm not knocking Hogan when I say that because you know, Hogan's Hogan, but the, the thing is with Drew is Punk's not the guy who can do that with him. It's not going to fit and you know, and with Seth anything will work. <laughs> oh yeah yeah Seth, Seth is one of i hate to say this because again this is one of those things where when i say this people yell at me on twitter um seth is one of the most underrated top guys i've ever seen he hmm. is so good that you don't notice how good he is most of the time you never have to think about it it wasn't th the last time i saw people give him credit for carrying someone he was working with who clearly needed his guidance was the logan paul thing at wrestlemania mm. but he does that shit all the time he does it all the time and he can have a match that gets the crowd excited with anyone and he is very generic style wise he wasn't in his younger career but he was smart enough to figure out that he did the osprey thing of like realizing Oh shit, if I work like this my entire career, my career is going to last about five minutes. 
And so he saves the big flippy things that he does that are really hard on his body for big matches, big moments, big events. But he can have a good, a good fun wrestling match that you would enjoy if you were sitting in the audience with literally anybody. Um, and he's good on the mic and he and Punk genuinely don't like each other. So that feud is going to be excellent. Um, my, my dream is never going to happen, which is I said this the week before Survivor Series, not thinking that Punk was going to go back. If you, if you look at my tweets, I was not one of the people who believed that Punk was ever going to go back. I thought, I thought he would want to. I thought Hunter would never do it. I really didn't think Hunter would ever do it. Um, now that he has, I'm not surprised. But before that, I just was never thinking of it as like, you know, I was like, Hunter's, Hunter's attitude is fuck that guy. We don't need that guy. Um, I think I think Kevin Owens and Punk cutting promos on each other would be a, it would be like, it would be the best, like, mean girls moment of all time it would be they would destroy each other kevin would probably make him cry <laughs> and I, I don't think phil i don't think phil would know that that's what would happen i think he would try to come at it with you know some bullshit about like whatever their shared history is and like oh you were just never as good as me and i think he would come at it from a very generic place of like you know well i'm so good at this so i don't need you and i think kevin would wreck his shit i think kevin would read him the truth and the tea leaves and all of it and it you know it would be one it would be the most you want to see a dead body moment in the last 10 years of, of wrestling history but then they would have to actually physically fight each other and not kill each other and i don't know how you would do that if you didn't put Sami Zayn in between the two of them yeah this is the thing is like it, i don't think we're ever going to get to see it no <laughs> i mean there is the it issue. would be really good though <laughs> but there, there is also the issue of like, why do you hire a guy that has caused you so many problems in the past, caused everybody else so many problems in in the recent past? Because people and, talk about him, and because people talk. Yeah, I suppose there is that the point that people will talk about him, and I think as well, there is the part of Triple H who's there's been clearly another power struggle gone on in WWE since the mm -hmm. takeover, where Triple H has managed to land on his feet and be, you know in charge once again for however long mm. that's going to last because that doesn't seem to be like you know a permanent position these days um, that was the last time any of us saw stephanie in public by the way just a just a quick little i know she's not an executive there anymore in the way that she, i think she's still on the board though isn't she i think so yeah it, it mm. yeah it's uh, mm, i don't know what's been you know hunter on. still wears his wedding ring in public but not all the time um mm. Uh, and she hasn't posted on Instagram since January. Intriguing. I mean, there, there, yeah, again, I have questions. There, there has been, I mean, Triple H. There has been talk. Apparently, Triple H wanted another another player of card. A card is not going anywhere. Um, his wife works no. at Bushy Road, so you know, it's, <laughs> it's like you know, when you, when your wife is essentially your boss, you're probably not going anywhere now. Um, also, he's much more relevant to the pop culture in Japan than he would be if he came to the US. I also don't think, I think, you know, he's also got a kid and settled down and, and you know, he's, yeah. he's reaching a point, he's 36 now, he's reaching a point in his new Japan career where he's 
making other people. So he's doing something different. He's not just being yeah. the rainmaker. You know, he's going to have these big dream right. matches with Danielson and stuff, but he's got to move down the card a little bit. He'll be back on top right. eventually, but he's got to move down yeah. the card. He, you know, he he dropped the title to Sonada in a big match this year, which was utterly surprising. New Japan mm. is trying to get people over, especially the newer, younger generation. Um, they have to. Because, yeah, because the card is 36. They um, have to because people are going to get hurt. Yeah. And Okada's going to, if not retire, retire. If he's, he's, I could see Okada doing the Tanahashi thing where he never completely goes away, even mm-hmm. if he has to have elbow surgery every other year. Um, I could, or shoulder surgery, I guess it is. Um, I could see Okada always being a presence, but yeah, he's he's not going to be full time forever, and none of those guys are because the way they wrestle doesn't allow it. <laughs> I, um, I, it's too aggressive. It's too hard on your body. You can't do it forever. And I think as well is just the you know the company jada has got to move on you know the the there's good evidence yeah. to show that he has moved on i mean kushida is a, a really good example of mm. left to go to wwe comes back three years later and he's doing loads of favors for the company spends a lot of time in the la dojo flies back and forth between la yeah. and new japan does a lot of work for impact wrestling as as a kind of liaison kind of pos- position that is in there uh bringing up yeah. kevin knight as a tag team partner Scored four points in Best of Super Juniors last year. He's mm. done. You know, he was ace of the company. Desperado yeah. in World in Super J Tag League this year. Desperado put a promo when they beat uh, the Jet Setters, the Wato, and said, "Remember when he was the ace? You need to be like him. Mm. If you want to be the ace of this company, you have to look at what he did for this company and how he did it for this company." Because yeah. they want you to, because the essential story of, of the Super J Tag League was Desperado doesn't really want anything to do with Wato, but he sees something in him because Wato doesn't stick. He's great. Mm. He's awesome. He won Best of Super Juniors this year in a, in a main, event, main event that arguably was match of the year with um, T Town from CMLL. It was astoundingly good. Mm. When a couple of years ago, me and um, Ian Harrison from uh, one of the big wrestling writers were discussing in private chats, like how the hell have they let Wato out of a dojo? He looks like he's going to hurt himself and several other people in the process. You know, yeah, he, he, <laughs> he's like, he would do a, he would do like a shooting star, not a shooting star, like a um, sky twister drop, and you would like, oh my god, how has he not broken mm. his neck? And then. He's turned it around in two years, but he is still bland as wet cardboard. And Desperado has been trying to ex- literally show by example, you know, you can be great. Everything can be great, but you have to present yourself as great. And here is Kushida. He was great. He may not be great anymore, mm. but do that. <laughs> Don't, yeah. you know, just like, because Despe doesn't want to be the ace. He's a, he's, yeah. he's a baby face, kind of, but doesn't really know how to be a baby face. Right. Um, but he's the most compelling character in New Japan's junior heavyweight division, because even Hiromo isn't really as compelling as Despe is. So, you yeah, know. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah. 
which is weird because that wasn't true no it wasn't but Hiromo's become obsessed with being a bigger superstar than the junior like he wants to drag the junior heavyweight division to being the main event and he spent so much time Mm. doing that whereas Desperado has just become this cool guy (laughs) you know that's come out of Minoru Suzuki's shadow at the end of Suzuki Gun He's seen as an equal to Suzuki. He's seen as a he is seen as the character locker room leader of the Hontai, the baby faces, not because he's the superstar, but because he knows everything. And he drags mm. them along with him. And that's the that's the thing. He's like this this sacred kind of guy who just knows everything. And Wato mm. sought him out for advice because he thought he thought he would be great with it. He would learn so much from him. And, yeah. you know, which is kind of the thing Punk portrays himself as to get us back on track. I did segue a long way there, but I come back. <laughs> That's okay. That's why people listen to this show, James, because you have this amazing depth of knowledge of all of these things. And you can tie things together in ways that other people can't because they're so focused on one little tiny piece of the puzzle. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate that. But I think that's it. I think Desperado is is a character, is what Punk portrays himself to be. You know, he's, yeah, that's really interesting. Huh. You know, he's he's not he's not the guy who wants to be the guy. He just happens to be right, and therefore he should be yeah. the guy because he's right. And you know, Punk mm. portrays himself as that. But what we've talked about to say is that arguably true, or is that Mr. Brooks mm. defend, protecting Mr. Brooks? And we have oodles of history of professional wrestling of main event guys protecting main event guys mm. and I use the Buddy Roberts thing to start with um, as a comparison because when Buddy Roberts went into a territory as a top guy and he did this in WWF as well back in the 1960s when WWF was still an NWA affiliate and was breaking free and forming their own world, forming their own title and of course, he was mm. the first WWWF champion. He brought a locker room full of guys with him, and guys that had worked in New York for years and years and years were all of a sudden on the outs, and his guys were the crew. Mm. And he had creative control over his guys, and that's why Bruno Sammartino ended up going up to Toronto to wrestle because he couldn't get work in in New York. Where Carl Gotch was blackballed from North America because of Woody Rogers because Jeez. he didn't trust him. That's why he ended up wrestling in Japan, because he didn't trust the shooter. That was basically it. Buddy Rogers was not a shooter by any stretch of the imagination. He could have hmm. himself, but he was not a shooter. Um, right. and, and while he trusted somebody like Luthez, he definitely wouldn't trust someone Carl Gotch, because he didn't grow up in the American system, didn't know who he was. So Gotch got blackballed. Rogers is a really hmm. good example. He was he of the politician's politician. But the politicians politician right. ran into Bruno San Martino and Vince McMahon Senior saying, I can't let somebody get away with this for too that long. Because mm. it's it's my company and I pay the bills. Right. And that's that's the interesting thing for me is like, you know, Bruno San Martino taking the title off Buddy Rogers when Buddy realized he was backed into a corner and couldn't do anything but drop the title or Bruno. Mm turned him into a meatball because um, <laughs> <laughs> Bruno could <laughs> yeah sure, sure. From, what, from what I understand the words were we can do this the easy way or the hard way mm. <laughs> yes. so you know and 
though you do not, and quite rightly, do not get that kind of thing in professional wrestling anymore, dear Lord, no, we don't need to return to those days. However, if there was a little more of that, <laughs> would we be in the situation we are in today? I don't know. I'm going to say the only other thing, I just had this thought, the only other thing that I want to see Punk do in WWE, if it is an option, is I would really enjoy it if he and Cena finally had that WrestleMania match. Mm. Because I actually think, I think if you were like, hey, John Cena, you have like, you know, however many years of this left, and you're going to get this one shot at this guy you have this really interesting history with, and everybody's going to tune up to watch it, like turn up to watch it, I would personally... If I found out Cena was showing up and I knew Punk was on the show, I'd be like, okay, what's going on there? Should I watch tonight, guys? Let me know. Like, I probably would. And I I, I don't usually. By the way, I sat through that entire freaking episode of Monday Night Raw the day after Survivor Series. And Bruce Pritchard ran that episode, and it was garbage. It was absolute <laughs> garbage. I was I was mad at Punk by the end of it, and he hadn't even done anything yet. <laughs> because I sat through that episode. I was like, fuck this. Oh my God, it's so bad. Why would you waste the number of eyeballs you had on that episode on Nia Jax? Why? Why? In what universe does that make sense? Anyway, um, if Cena and Punk were going to have another shot at each other and Hunter was like, look, you guys can do this. Both of you need to get in shape. <laughs> <laughs> And, and really have a banger and really give us the part two of the big money in the bank match and really give us your best promos. I think it would be really fun. I, I just think it would be enjoyable. I think there's no way those two wouldn't do everything they both could do to mm-hmm. figure out how to make it as good as possible. And also, I think Cena likes Punk. I think he respects him. And I think John Cena, if John Cena can job his ass out to um, fucking, what is his name? The dumb blonde kid who got caught uh, trying to sext with a minor who had the WrestleMania match with Cena. And Cena didn't even bother to cover his own bald spot beforehand. Um, Austin Theory, there we go. Mm. If if Cena can can make it seem like he at least a little bit cares about wrestling Austin Theory... I think he would really show up for Phil, like for real. <laughs> I think it would be fun. John Cena plus indie guy is always a good combo. Yeah, It always works. It works 100% of the time. Also, I think if you did that, you could have Kevin Owens cut a little promo about it at some point. It would be interesting, even if he and Punk weren't in the same room, and it would be fun. That kind of flips us back to the start of things because... If you go mm. back to the 100th episode of The Art of Wrestling with Colt, uh, with Colt Cabana, which was hosted by CM Punk, and he, Colt Cabana was a guest on his own show, one mm. of the things that was revealed in that show is how much John Cena loves Colt Cabana. Yeah, that's true. And, and loves him as a wrestler, loves him as, as, a, as a comic, and just loves Colt Cabana. And it just like it, everything, the whole thing about this story is it's circular. It's circular in wrestling history. Like I said, there's people mm. like Stan Hansen. The, 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 you heard the Stan Hansen AWA title story. It's worth telling again, even if you have. I, I If I have, it's probably only on this show, but feel free. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> so, so he wins the AWA championship. And um, uh, he defends it for like six months. AWA are making money. 
and then yeah. um, uh, um, Vern Gagne says you're going to have to drop it. I can't remember who was supposed to drop it to. Um, mm. He he was supposed. I can't. I think he was supposed to drop it to Nick Balkwinkle. and mm-hmm. um, he rings up Giant Barber and says, "Hey, um, um, Vern wants me to drop the AWA title." And Barber goes, "No, <laughs> you're defending that here next month. Don't drop it." Um, so he just went left. That was it. Just took the title away and walked away. Defended the AW title in Japan, and when he got back to Texas, ran over it with his truck and posted it to Minneapolis. <laughs> nice. That's why the AWA nice. title. Yes, um, he regrets that. He regrets that decision to this day. He thought that was a bit too much. <laughs> but yeah. it's probably one of those things where, as he was doing it, he was like, "This isn't going to go well." <laughs> but this is someday, probably a bad call. But some days you have to run over a world title belt with a truck. I, that day somebody did, yeah. <laughs> For sure. But the, I mean, I think, you know, Hanson was, and Hanson and Brody were two guys who were, were told, do it mm. your way. You know, you're never going to be the company guys. Daft thing was, of course, Hanson would be a company guy for all Japan Pro Wrestling. Giant Papa, absolutely loyal. You're never going to be mm. company guys to do it your way. Stick together and do it your way. And they did, absolutely, for a very right. long period of time. Yeah. Right, right. And and they made money hand over fist. Um, but it, it was a time when you could do that kind of thing, which is, you know, mm. I suppose in one sense, Mr. Brooks is proving you still can do that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it always, this, I think this is the thing. I, I've watched very little of Punk as a wrestler. In, I've watched mm-hmm. the big stuff. I've not been a massive fan of his. And just because it was the wrong era for me. But the story fascinates mm-hmm. me just from a, from a from a wrestling historical perspective for things like that, because I still see shadows of wrestling's past in what he does and what he's done, what's made him yeah. great. You know, yeah. I can, you know. That's intentional. Yeah. He wants you to see that stuff. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is like, he, he's wrestling's biggest fan and he regurgitates the stuff just as much as Jim Cornette did when he was running Smoky Mountain. You know, he he, mm. he he takes all those big moments and reapplies them in his own way. And that's that's kind of what wrestling is, don't get me wrong. But equally, yeah. it is, it is, it's intriguing, to say the least. And here's another spin. He has another go around. We'll probably be doing this again in six months' time. <laughs> I, I think this is his last thing. Oh, yeah, I think absolutely. We might get another, I think we get it like another year or two of him max and for most of that time he's not going to be in main events um i think he'll get a big spot on the mania card i think if it's stone cold steve austin he'll be in the main event i think if it's seth rollins because steve's not available or whatever um or can't get like medically cleared which has happened before um then I think he and Rollins will be in a big spot, but I don't think it's going to be the main event because I think I think Hunter will be like, look, we're going to pay you like you're in the main event, which is what you said you really wanted, right? Um, and Punk will just be like, yeah, whatever, fuck it, it's fine. Uh, I think Seth will be mad if it's not a main event. Actually, I don't I don't know that Punk would actually really even care. Um, oh, you know what? Punk won't care as long as the women are in the main event. If you put the women in the main event and Punk is semi-main, he gets to spend the next six months 
making himself look like a magnanimous feminist guy mm. by talking about how cool it was that the women were in the main event and he wasn't. That's what you do. That's how you do it. Hunter, you you can you can reach me on Twitter or Instagram uh, and, and get my ideas like this and you can pay me for them um, or get them for free because I'll talk about this shit all the time. Uh, yeah, no, um, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. That's how you get WrestleMania without having to put CM Punk in the main event. Um, is you put the women in the main event instead. You're gonna have to have a women's main event, but damage control is falling apart right now. Bailey's about to do the best character work of her career, so I don't think that's gonna be a tough, a tough thing no, to orchestrate. No, no, no. And if I mean, um, it depends if you're having a two-day WrestleMania again, then then you can. Mm-hmm. You can have both. They could, yeah. You've got plenty of options. Yeah, I think I think you gotta put Punk somewhere on day one if he's on day two. You gotta put him some. He's gotta show up. Yeah. He doesn't have to have a match, but he has to physically be there in some way. I don't see him having the capacity to do two nights in a row at this point because every time he wrestles a big main event match, he gets hurt. Um, and I think Hunter's not stupid. He knows that. Uh, I think. Yeah, I think that's how you do it. And I think there's a lot of interesting potential after Mania for Punk to wrestle guys who he's never wrestled before, who are below him on the card in that way that he likes to do, where he likes to make himself look like what he wants to do is bring up other talent. Um, Let some of those guys at him, you know? let Make uh, some money with him. Let him and Tozawa have one of those weird little like physical stare off kind of things. Um, let Ricochet do backflip after backflip after backflip over him, run circles around him and make it a, a comedy fest and then have Punk get on the mic afterwards and he's all sweaty and be like, you know, that guy's really talented. Like we don't all know that. Um, yeah. There's lots of options. There's lots of possibilities. Send him to NXT for five minutes and let the kids pick his brain. I don't know. Yeah. You know, there's lots of ways to do that where you can give him the kind of PR that he wants for himself that also gives you something that's interesting to watch. Yeah, this is the thing. It's like, you know, it, we're pro wrestling fans. We understand that this is a business that is driven by egos and there is none bigger. I, I yep. would I mean you could argue that Hogan's may be bigger. Um but Hogan has been living in a fantasy land of his own making for the last thirty years and therefore I don't think it counts as much because though you know it, I don't I think I I think there's some guys in Japan the Tiger Jeet Singh is possibly the biggest ego I've ever seen in professional wrestling. And mm. and Punk is Punk is eclipsing him and I didn't think that was possible. Now you're yeah. making me ask myself if Punk is a worse person than Hogan. I don't no, think, I think I don't Hogan think is still worse. Yeah, I don't I don't think Punk's a worse person than Hogan. I'm just talking about ego size. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, had to ask myself that, but no, no Punk, I, Punk, I'm, Punk is, I'm Punk, is I, <laughs> Punk is not acting. I did the reality racist. check. <laughs> yeah, Punk is not actively yeah. enthusiastically racist. It's <laughs> no. start. Let's let's go there. Um, but also, yeah, also I think Punk is 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 the one person that he seems to have a consistently good relationship with is his wife. So, yes, exactly. Um, and and the less said about that's the one thing I never life, feel like he's bullshitting about. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, it, it all it all seems to work out. And I think it possibly should end the story there on that positive note. Really, 
because you mm, know yeah we've said many things about philip in the last hour and a half that um, was the biggest pop that he got when he came back from monday night raw was was he mentioned aj lee and he said she's doing fabulous and that she says hi and everybody was like yay I we were it's, all happy to hear that. It, we're like, good, it, she's doing well, awesome. It, it does seem to have kickstarted a campaign to get AJ Lee into the Hall of Fame, which I think is perfectly fine and a, a good thing. And she, she should, should be, be definitely. Um, right then, we're going to have to call it a day on this particular therapy session for Phil Brooks. If he wants to hear it, I'm sure he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to the Troopney Show today. My name's James Troopney. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter, at Sheriff Lone Star TX on Instagram, at Sheriff Lone Star on Mastodon. Um, and where can we find you on the internet, Chelsea? Uh, so my Instagram handle and my Twitter handle and my Blue Sky handle are panels and pros. And I try, there's no spaces in there, it's just panels and pros. And I try to post different things on different social media networks. So also I'm on TikTok if you want dumb TikToks about my cat and what I wear. So <laughs> yep, there we go. Um yeah, you can oh you can find me on Mastodon as well. I'm sure if Lone Star on there. I tend to do more photography based stuff and old jokes on Mastodon. Um you can find nice. Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us uh, on Threads Troopany Show, on Instagram's Troopany Show, and on um Facebook the Troopany Show. And um, also on Patreon, we can keep the show free forever for everyone. You can listen to us for SoundCloud, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podbean, various other platforms of podcastery, and now on YouTube as well. Um, thank you for listening to the YouTube shows this week. We've, we've actually improved our listenership by at least 17 times what it was last week, because 17 people listened to last week's show. Okay. <laughs> 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 First week, one person listens to the YouTube version of the show. We got loads on SoundCloud and everything else, but I'm trying to build it up. But trying to like, you know, it's like YouTube present because the trouble is, like, engagement on Twitter has died because it's run by a moron. Yeah. <laughs> so, which is the reason why we're now on 15 different. All of us are on 15 different things, except for Marcus, oh, no. who who will live and die by Twitter. I'm not sure we'll ever see Marcus on social media again. I'll have to contact him by email. Um, because I don't think he can really be bothered with going on to other social media sites. He's happy where he is. Um, but yeah, this is the reason why we're doing it, is because we're trying to get more engagement, because Twitter's dead in the sense, not in the sense of there's plenty of people who follow us and we like stuff, and you may see that... Wrestling needs to pick a thing to go to that's not That's Twitter, the thing, though. that's like, it. We, I, need to, we need to do that. I mean, I'm part of a couple of groups of podcasts that uh, the, the Twitter show is part of a couple of groups of podcasts, and we all kind of like feedback off of each other and retweet and stuff to try and keep engagement up. And that has been working and encouraging a lot more mm. listeners coming around our way in the last few weeks. But it is, it's just, yeah, we all, we need a new social media home that's not run by an idiot, basically. <laughs> I, I like Mastodon, but no one listens to me. Is the thing like when you post a SoundCloud um, track mm -hmm. in Mastodon, you don't have to go to SoundCloud to listen to it. It just plays automatically in your post on Mastodon. That's cool. That I is. tried to get Mastodon to work and I couldn't get past the sign up process, but maybe I'll try again. Yeah, it's uh, they've made it a lot easier since. Um, and I basically follow it because it was like one of my mutuals loves the place and she's been like a. Um, Sorry, they've been a, um, a Feddy uh, mod for about six or seven years. 
So I went mm. um, so I could keep following their stuff. And um, yeah, it's awesome. I was talking to them today about she's um, she's a wheelchair user, but she isn't paralyzed. Mm -hmm. So um, if she falls over, she will just go and scream out, I can't feel my legs. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> it's just like, and then her husband has to go, sorry, their husband has to go, yeah, but you can't feel your legs. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, they're great. They're awesome. All right, then. Thank you very much for listening to the True Penny Show today. We'll be back next week. I think it'll be me and Marcus looking at Glate version 8 and the house show they did this week, which looks killer. Uh, in the meantime, mm. take care, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Middle of the screen, so you can see, and that's handy. There we go. It's all. It's in the middle of the screen now. Oh. Cool. All right.